Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Herfcast. I know it's been a while, uh, but, you know, you'll have that. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to get anything put together lately, but uh, this was kind of a random happening of an episode. Um, uh, long story short, through the world of disc golf, uh, I got together with Butch, a World War II veteran that stormed the beach in Normandy in the first wave. Um, it was uh, It was a huge honor for me to sit down and talk to him uh, and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Bart. Uh, Bart's also on the episode but Bart has a uh, website discgolfflymart.com so if you could check that out uh, maybe support uh, Bart a little bit for helping me get this episode done. Um, like I said it was an honor to sit down and talk to this man. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation that we had and uh, it's not every day you get to talk to a World War II veteran, let alone uh, a World War II veteran that stormed the beach in Normandy on D-Day in the first wave. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Check out discgolfflymart.com and let me know what you think. Thanks. All right. So as I was saying, uh, Butch, I've got an 18-year-old Cuban. I've got a uh, that's a that's a punch Cuban. Then I've got a uh, it's a it, the brand is Crowned Heads and it's a Paniolo from 2016. It's a it's an exclusive you only get in Hawaii. And I've got a, a Man of War Armada. So uh, wh- whichever you would like. I take the Hawaiian one. The Hawaiian one. Yeah. All right. So. And Remind me of the good old days. <laughs> so, uh, Bart, you you didn't want you didn't want one. You know, I'd like to see the Cuban, but I I would uh, probably not smoke it. But I just want to look at it, man. Um, this this thing is eighteen years old. Yeah. And uh, it was it was given to me. Well, I I won it at a at uh, an event called Ristafari. Uh, the owner of JSK Cigars has an event every year and uh i want a drawing for uh at the time i think it was 15 years old uh box of cubans so they're uh they're the the brand is punch but they're good they're smooth they've uh they're they're pretty mellow as far as uh, strength and whatnot because you know the age has kind of gotten them down a little bit so since uh butch picked the uh, paniola i'm going to smoke the paniola while we sit here and talk so that was uh, Risty? Yeah. Yeah, he's been out here a couple of times on oh, the yeah. golf course. Yeah. yeah. So we are at um, the American Legion Post 261. Correct. Uh, the, the Post 261, it is also the location of the Missile Ridge Disc Golf Course that uh, Bart here has played a absolute major role uh, in making that happen. And I'm also joined with Butch, who is a World War II veteran who, from what I understand, was in Normandy on D-Day. Yes. Yeah. So. 0600. 0600? First wave. Oh, first wave. First wave, Omaha, Red Beach. So, What, what did you bring in on the first wave? Was it just troops? Well, with the uh, LCP, landing craft personnel... And uh, you had, uh, of course, personnel, 
and uh, had a tank and a jeep and a trailer and uh, fellas from the uh, first army we hit the beach at 0600 right on time so it had to be one of those smaller tanks or did you have enough it, room for yeah, it was pretty good size yeah just a tank in general is yeah sounds they don't make them too small yeah <laughs> so uh how many times have you have you told the story of that day throughout your life well the fireman had me for lunch one time and went to part of it and then uh a lady from the post tribune interviewed me wrote quite a big article very good very enlightening did a good job inform you that a lot of people don't know the people that were there and still living that was scheduled for the 5th of June and we got out there and we about halfway across and uh, there was a hellish storm and uh, we had to turn back so then they postponed it till the next day so it was on the June the 6th but it would have been on June the 5th a lot of people don't know that where did you sail out of? I know it was England. Yeah, well, we was on the Dartmouth River. Okay. Where, where, where we had our landing craft. I was on a landing craft tank. I wasn't on a, a small uh, LPCs. This was bigger. That's why we could get a tank and a trailer and that on it. Okay. So how many people were on the craft when you landed? The ship's personnel? Yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, about six and two officers. Yeah. How about troops? How many troops were, were on board? Do you remember that? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it changed. I didn't have time to count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a few, though. Yeah. So, uh, do, do you enjoy talking about this stuff, or is it kind of a pain when people ask you about it? Uh, it don't bother me too much. No. Yeah. I'm used to it. So, now you mentioned to me before, Butch, that you were in the uh, on the first wave, and uh, I, I believe the next one was what fourth or fifth wave. Yeah, you went back in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were talking a little bit yesterday, and you told me that you had to abandon your landing craft. Yeah. Can, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Well, well, when we come in and our next wave, uh, yeah, things were pretty exciting. In the 88s, we were in the bunkers up on the hill. They were zeroing in on us, and uh, we got hit with one shell, went through the hatchway into the living quarters, and landed on a bunk, but it didn't explode. Why, I don't know. Good good Lord was looking up for me. I got out of there. And then we we hit the beach, and uh, we had boots on, and uh, impregnant uh, gear on for gas and et cetera. And uh, when we got to the beach, well, then we boots were full of water, so we laid down and lift our legs up, and the water run down to our butt. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was pretty exciting. I would, imag- I would imagine at that point you're hunkered down pretty good. Yeah, well, they hung up a foxhole that was empty, 
and uh, it stayed down until we could move ahead. We didn't know where we was going, but it was, we was moving. We didn't go far in to the, where we landed. I don't know, probably half a mile. But uh, you was looking over your shoulder, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I believe that. So uh, are you are you a movie watcher or no? Yeah, I watch TV. I got two movies, uh, uh, two Western channels. Yeah. <laughs> I watch them. <laughs> so uh, would would you watch the 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 World War II movies or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, like, I watch them. So, what, I mean, how have you seen, like, Saving Private Ryan? And Yeah, and I've, seen, I've seen all of them. So how how accurate is something like that compared to well, what, what uh, actually happened? Private Ryan, when they hit the beach there, that was a little, uh, I don't know what to say you call it, but it, it wasn't really that way. They was up there with machine guns and all that firing away and that, but you, you didn't. All you could do is get down and save your ass. So it it was, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the way I saw it. No. And I was there. I would have to think that uh, real life is a lot more brutal in its portrayed in in the movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the one was which when the, what they call it, uh, day one or D Day or something with John Wayne. That, that was that the, was the that, longest day I think. The longest day, that's it. That, that was pretty accurate. Yeah, they had that down pretty pretty pat. Yeah. Is there is there anything from uh, that day specifically that uh, you feel like? hasn't been portrayed in history correctly uh, or any, like, misunderstandings, anything like that? No, they pretty well got it down pat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that day's there been studied a, extensively. There was a scene there where they got into a minefield and they had to back out. Well, I don't know how the hell we done it, but uh, we we experienced that. We got in there, well, there's... We weren't coached on uh, what the yellow tape men. We were just wandering around, dumb sailors. And uh, some sergeant come along there and said, what the hell are you guys doing in there? I said, well, we don't know yet what's going to happen. He said, well, you're in a minefield. Well, no butthole puckered up then. <laughs> I'll bet. And so there was a guy behind me. Uh, Tennessee, call him, and I don't remember his name. And I said, "Well, you back out. If you mess up, I'm gonna kill you." And I, I just asked, "Kill him?" I said, "I'm gonna shoot you." I said, "If you mess up, I'm gonna shoot you." And we backed out of there, just like they portrayed in that movie, step by step, step where we stepped before, and we got out of there. And, and, from then on, we stayed between the yellow lines. Made, made a believer out of us. So, how long were you were you out there on the beach? Yeah. Uh, till the next day, and then they got us. They rounded us up and got us and uh, put us on an LST and took us back to 
uh, England. When I first went over, I was in Scotland, Rosenheath, Scotland. It was an island, and that's where the, we were quartered. And then we got our uh, boats that, and then we lived on the boat. Anchored to the, they had big buoys there, and they'd anchor two to a buoy, one fore and one aft, and uh, we we lived on the water there for a couple months. Anchored there, we had a little little dinghy. We want to go someplace, uh, go to the store ship to get something, and uh, we had a handy belly, a little pump. Then we put had a nozzle, high pressure nozzle on it, and then we'd go and we stick that over. We had the handy belly would suck the water up, and then eject it through that nozzle and propel us to where we wanted to go. Hmm. Yeah, so, it was pretty unique. So, are there any uh, any fond or good memories that you have from being deployed out there? Yeah, not too many. Uh, I, I wouldn't imagine so, but not after D Day, anyway. Yeah. Before that, it wasn't too bad. We raised a little hell. In in Scotland. Yeah. Well, I'm, shower. I'm, it, was, it got cold over there, and uh, we had to go. The shower is probably thirty, forty feet away. We we have to shower and then run back through the cold. And uh, into our quarter, we lived in the Quonset huts. And they would, you didn't stand around outside too long. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm pretty curious on what kind of hell you raised. Oh, a little bit when we got to the beach, we went on shore. Uh, I'm saying, I'm saying like uh, fun, fun times that you know raising. Yeah, that's help. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So you went to the beach in Scotland? Well, no, there was none. You just, it was just an island. We had to take a, a shuttle boat from Scotland over to the uh, mainland. There's no way of getting there. There's no bridge or nothing like that. You, you had little small boats that take the personnel back and forth. So if we so went to Scotland, if we went to Scotland today, would they still be talking about some of the things you did back then? Oh, I imagine if there's any around, <laughs> they'd have to be as old as I am. Yeah. So, um, let's see. You're uh, so you you generally smoke these the uh, the Cheyenne little cigars. Right. Um, do Do you ever smoke uh, regular cigars like this much or no? Yeah, I used to, but I kind of slacked off now. Um. That's uh I I quit smoking cigarettes in nineteen I got married in fifty six in nineteen fifty five I quit. Wow. Never smoked one. Well, I, my mother smoked and I come in the house there she had one on the table, so I picked up and took a drag on it. I said, Phew, terrible. Ma, how can you smoke them dirty things? <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So a little background here. Uh, this 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 came to happen uh, completely randomly. Uh, I've mentioned it before that I'd I'd like to talk to a World War II vet at some point. Uh, and I the other day uh, I I sent Bart a message asking if uh, me and my son could come check out the disc golf course here. 
Um, and he mentioned that he was going over to uh, a man named Butch's house, um, you know, who's who's a vet, and told me a little bit of his story. And I said, well, do you have any idea if he if he's interested in cigars at all? And, um, you know, so that's, that's how this happened. So I'm pretty happy that, uh, uh, for one, that, you know, I, I happened to ask Bart what he was doing that day. And two, that it's just a, a random coincidence that, that we were able to hook up and uh, the fact that it's uh, through a roundabout way uh, because of disc golf. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to mention, too, that Brian was one of the early sponsors here when uh, when there was no money flowing into the course when we first started the project. He stepped up large and big. And uh, I just thank you for that. Oh, no problem. And that's uh, and this is this is my my first time uh, being on the property. Uh, so probably uh, probably walk around a little bit after uh, after we get done here. But, uh, you know, I was telling you earlier, I can't play today. Um, shot, uh, shotgun tore up my my uh, shoulder a little bit yesterday so <laughs> but we do, uh, we do have a whole uh the the actual first hole sponsor out here was a guy named uh, uh joe and uh he dedicated that hole to butch yeah so we've got a we've got a hole dedicated out there to you butch i think i told you that before yeah so um I, i'll i'll kind of bounce back and forth here a little bit but um Gary was telling me that you, you World War Two and Korea and uh, what uh, was it? Was it just World War Two and Korea, or was there anything else? Well, I tried to sign up, tried to sign up for Vietnam, but they told me I was too old. Oh yeah. <laughs> I said you don't have to train me. I can go right on right front lines. I'm ready. Now too old. So. Yeah. So how long were you in the service, Butch? Uh, total. Well, I had, when I, in between um, World War II and Korea, not in between, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, uh, I was in the National Guard. I spent two years in National Guard. So I went up to, when Korea broke out, the fifth, 25th of March, I went up there in a, Norby Bowling, he, he was a short-tailed cousin, and I uh, told him I wanted discharge. I said, well, I can't give you a discharge. I said, well, I'm going to sign up, whether you do or not. Well, okay, so he forged the captain's signature and gave me a discharge, and I w- went up, and I enlisted, re-enlisted uh, the 26th, the next day. And then I went to... Um, Washington, D.C. receiving station. Later on there for a while, done mess cooking, cooking. And then I went to Brooklyn Navy Yard receiving station and uh, pruned this for a new carrier. It was still, still in dry dock. And uh, it was working. It was all pretty well finished. And finally we went aboard and that got things straightened out and then they shoved her down into the water, made a few adjustments and then we went to get a straight down cruiser down to get get Mo Bay. And then come back and went in the yard and they made a few adjustments and then we went to the Mediterranean, cruised around there, uh, France and that, uh, different places, Italy. Sicily, 
And then we come back, and our home port was Mayport. And uh, they decided they wanted us over on the Pacific to go to Korea. So our gun tops were too wide, we couldn't go through the canal. So we had to go around the horn. And you go around the horn, they call you a turtle. Naturally, of course, the international date line. And uh, we got around down there on the horn, and it roughest water I ever seen. Well, rough. I never seen anything like it. Yeah, I've heard it's uh, probably the most treacherous water in the ocean in the world. Yep, yeah, Pacific and Atlantic meet there, and they fight one another, I guess. Huh. And at one time that we had 14 cans of escorts. Every carrier has 14 cans with them, and. Uh, one minute you look up and the tin can be way up in the air, look like. And next time they'd be way down at the bottom. It was, them guys in tin can, they'd, we'd get a little bit of smooth water with them and we'd shoot a line across and then we'd send over bread. We had a bake shop board ship. We'd send over bread and cakes and uh, sausage. I don't want to say what we call it. And milk. <laughs> Five-gallon cans of milk, and they would send that over to them. That's all they had for, and I think it took us about four days to get through there, get so, around there. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I'm what, what, what is this tin can that you're talking about? Destroyer. Oh, okay. Escorts. Yeah? Yeah. You don't want to send the big uh, aircraft carrier out without a bunch of little guys to keep the... Yeah, yeah. You know, they were, they were, they were the on case. guard duty. But uh, then we went up to San Diego, messed around, and finally we shipped us out, stopped at Hawaii, and then on to Japan. Was, uh, our home port in Japan was Lakuska, Yokohama. What, uh, there's two pronunciations. It depends if you're American or Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was our home port over there, and then we went on a line in Korea. We, we'd be on a line for two months, sending the sorties. We had air, uh, uh, PH-4s or 7s, and then Corsairs, and Wildcats, prop jobs. And uh, then we done our thing over there. Just steaming back and forth and sending sorties into the air. So you were sending mostly prop planes up? Pardon? You were sending mostly planes with propellers up? Were there jets at that time? Uh, well, yeah, the, the PH-7s and 4s, they were jets. Those were the first first jets that I ever seen. And uh, they'd go up at night, too. One time, I got acquainted with a pilot and that, and... Well, I, I had been a radio man during my time, and uh, he said, you want to go up with me? And I thought, yeah, that'd be a good deal. So at night, we went up. So I, first night, pretty good. And then uh, next time I went up with him, uh, we run into some MiGs, and uh, that was exciting. And I heard a noise back back me. I didn't. I didn't know what the hell. I, I didn't know what was going on anyway. I couldn't see nothing. 
So we got back and landed and took the plane down to the hangar deck. And I got out and I looked at that plane and behind me there was a whole bunch of holes in that tail section. Oh, wow. And boy, I, I about dropped to my knees then. So about three days later, he said, I'm going up tonight. You want to go? I said, no, thanks. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I had my experience. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm going to – I'm pretty ignorant to a lot of the terminology and whatnot. Um, but I was talking to my grandpa last time I was in Florida, and I always knew that my, my grandpa was a radio man. And, uh, you know, he was in the Air Force as a radio man. And I always thought that that was a, a ground position – uh, but then he he explained to me that no, the radio man was up in the plane yeah. and you know figuring out positions and whatnot. It's like oh, holy shit! Yeah, uh, I I never realized that. So it's pretty pretty uh, pretty exciting. How, how long were you uh, in the Korean theater? Uh, probably a year, a year a year and a half. My dad was a. Uh, uh, in, in, in the uh, fifth uh, regional combat team, regimental combat team um, in Korea, as well, he he spent a lot of time in foxholes. Yeah, in Korea, that was pretty nasty. And it, it, it's it's pretty cold over there too. Yeah, his whole life after Korea, he says, "I will never camp again." I camped for a year in Korea. I will never camp again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was also honored to meet his. Uh, his platoon commander last October I went to his uh, reunion my dad's been gone for a while but uh, Lieutenant Colonel Eugene Brewer it was a pleasure to sit and talk with him for a while yeah it uh, it got cold over there that spray you be steaming and you get spraying up over the focus hole and the deck the guys out there with, with buckets of salt and throwing salt on the flight deck so the planes could land they wouldn't have scared away Huh. Yeah, it would ice up pretty quick, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, when the planes come in, you had the LSO, Lanny, or LCO, Lanny Craft Officer. He was a flagman. He'd stand there on the end of the deck, and he'd wave his arms, had two yellow or red flags in that. And them guys would watch him, and they'd do, adjust to what he was telling them. And then he'd, whoop, he'd, he'd swing his arm down, then they'd, they'd land. And they had the arresting gear cables that laid down on the deck. Well, when they, they couldn't land, then those would lift up so far. And the, the planes had a hook on a tail, and the hook would catch in that cable, and that cable would stretch out, and then they'd stop them. Well, one time they had a... It was a jet landing it. it the hook hit, we hit the deck, and then next time it hit the deck was on the other side of the cable, and so on down there. And then down by the uh, bridge, they had uh, big uh, nylon belts, uh, three rows of them. And if they missed the cables, well, then they'd go into that. We had a number of them that missed that. It, it was odd that the landing hook was just bounced just over the over the rushing cables, and then they'd have to go under the thing. They, 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 uh, I think maybe one night got 
he got all the way through to the last one before he got stopped. Yeah, that was pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, I've always thought that that was kind of the the craziest engineering thing, stopping planes like that. I mean, I know it works most of the time, but when you watch it, it just seems yeah like it shouldn't work. I guess yeah. yeah. So, uh, what did you do when when all was said and done, and you weren't you were you were out of the military? Did you did you uh, find another career after well, after you were settled? Or yeah, well. And come out, uh, I went to, to operating engineers, local 150. Uh, well, my dad was in there. And back in them days, it was father, son, and nephews and cousins. Now they got a apprentice program going that anybody can get in. But they got a waiting list with about 3,000 people on it all the time. Yeah. But I, I worked with that until I retired. How long you been retired now? About oh, over thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> I started out young. <laughs> so you're, uh, are, are you ninety seven now? Ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. Okay, so you're ninety four. Don't make me any older. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> Don't rush it. <laughs> I, I can't handle it. <laughs> uh, um. So, uh, what what do you have to? Uh, say as far as like longevity goes uh what what have you done uh, are you are you a generally healthy person or oh, do yeah. you do you yeah. just I'm live sh- life the way that that you want i'm still here yeah i'm pretty healthy uh i'm saying like you know food drink uh you yeah know, you, you, I, I eat my fruits and veggies and good bourbon good bourbon yeah what kind of bourbon are you into i uh, use it early times yeah if i can't get that i'll drink jack and water yeah yeah, no. uh, they, they say Jack and Coke, they, they ruin good whiskey. Yep. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, an absolute obscene amount of different bourbons out there now. Oh, yeah, yeah. But. Well, they used to call it a bourbon, but now they call it a Kentucky straight whiskey. Yeah. It, same difference, but they renamed it. That's, uh, I... My wife, I, my wife and I both drank it. It's, um, I, I'm going to have to ask uh, my buddies in Texas. They, they know all about the whiskeys uh, to see if there's a difference between the, the bourbon and the Kentucky straight uh, whiskey. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not that well-knowledged in it. So, but I, I know there's different uh, criteria that you have to meet to be well, called bourbon. Uh, and they, just, they just named the bourbon uh, from bourbon to Kentucky straight whiskey. Yeah. And then, uh, well, you got Jack Daniels Sour Mash. That's pretty good. But uh, I don't drink any of them blends. Yeah. Them blends, they give you a headache. <laughs> That's where you get your hangovers from. Yep. And, and anything sweet. Yeah. So I, I, my wife and I, we drank water with, with a twist of lemon. That was our drink. We used to sit right, right over there, them two suits. See, I just learned something today, Butch. Keep the sweets out of the, keep the blends out, and keep the sweets out of the the bourbon. Yep, yep. You won't have a hangover. Where'd you guys used to sit over here? Right there, them two suits there by the waitress stall. No. Yeah, and uh, I believe that part of the bar was added later. This, this all, this wall. Uh, east was all added on. Okay. The bar used to be over there. 
Oh, wait a minute, no. That was added on. The bar was over here, and then they changed it over there, and they built that. My buddy, uh, Ralph uh, Brockman, he built that section and all that. He's a contractor. Yeah, that was long, 40-some years ago we'd done that. Yeah, you guys can't see it, but we're sitting in uh, part of the bar at the American Legion, and it's been added on to because it's yeah, uh, yeah. just need more room for more people. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll work on that. Like I said, I'm going to uh, look into joining uh, under my uh, under my grandpa. So. Yeah, come aboard. Yeah, was your grandpa in Korea? Yeah, Korea. Okay, yeah, they don't have DD-214 discharge numbers uh, for Korea, but after they do, so y you basically just need some uh, an obituary with your name on it. Or, or oh, no, he's, he's still around. Oh, oh yeah. my, my yeah. apologies. So uh, is he a member of the Legion? Uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, he's, he's just doing his own thing down in Florida, uh, working on his old uh, Lincoln. Uh, he's got a 63 Lincoln. Uh, Suicide doors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Same same thing. Kennedy got shot in. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember that car. Um, as, as far as I know, it's the same one. Uh, just uh, hard top, not a convertible. Well, he can uh, get a membership here, and it'll be free. Uh, yeah. we've got a member that pays veterans first year, and you know after that, if you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, if you can get him to join here, that would make you eligible for our Sons of the American Legion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. World War Two. Uh, your uh, discharge. You didn't hit a DD-214. They didn't come out until Korea. But on your discharge, they had everything, all the information on the back of your discharge. But there was no DD-214s then. They started that in Korea. So what was, uh, what was your position? What was your job, your, your MOS in the, in the military? Well, when I, when in Korea, I was a, I was a cook. In, in in the galley, I was uh, well. I, I I was in charge of the galley, my shift, port shift, and uh, hell, I was only a uh, well. I made I was third class, and I made second class. Couldn't make first class. I passed the test four times, but there's over compliment. So as far as I got. But then I worked in a bake shop too. Had charge of the bake shop. We used to bake bread, pies, cakes, sheet cakes, and cobblers. Cause you too much to make regular pies. But we made uh, bread. We'd have three dough troughs of, or three mixes of of bread. Uh, two hundred fifty pounds of flour. Ten cans of shortening, uh, six pounds of sugar, uh, and I, I forget the rest, but that's what I can remember of it. Made that every day. They put them in a roll of dough out and cut it up, mount it up, then put it in a sweat cabinet, a steam, steam cabinet, we call it a sweat cabinet, and then bake it off. They had... Uh, Four blodget, like pizza ovens, that we had, and uh, bake it. Then take it down in uh, down below storeroom there, and let it cool, and then dump it and 
ring it and put it, run, run it through the slicer and then put ring it up at galley deck and serve it to the troops. Yeah. So you cooked for uh, the aircraft carrier and some of the uh, the, the support vessels. You yeah. You well, well, that was only when they got in heavy water where we'd pass food over to them. Okay. But uh, we served uh, when the Airedales were aboard. We had we served um, oh about thirty two, thirty three hundred. Now these big carriers, they got two galleys. And they serve what, between five and six thousand people. Big deal. I don't know, but I, I'm sure they got two galleys. They'd have to have. You just mentioned when the Airedales are on board. What what were the uh, Airedales? Those, those, those were the people that tended the airplanes. Oh, okay. They had deck crews that had done different things for the planes, getting them ready, and then lining them up to go off of the uh, ramp. Or the, or the, well, they hook them up to the big piston. It was hydraulic then, now they use steam. But it was hydraulic then, and that propels them off. Yeah, like a slingshot. Yep, yep. Is there a continent in the world that you haven't been on? Uh, one. Australia. That's the only one. I've been everywhere. Murmansk, Russia. When I they had that Lend Lease and we was in Murmansk, Murmansk Russia and uh, there was stacks and stacks of margin sitting on dock melting and running all over the ground. And the people didn't even use it. Yeah, I've been pretty much every Every seaport that there is. Do you have a uh, favorite they, spot? Like, like they say, they sailed the seven seas and around the horn. Seen everything and done everything. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have a, yeah. do you have a favorite spot? Not really. Oh, Hawaii's nice. Japan wasn't too bad. I think you're pretty fond of Cedar Lake, Indiana, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been in this area all my life. Yeah. I was born in Hessville. Oh, okay. 1926. Well, St. Margaret's. That was the only hospital around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you joined the Navy when you were 17, is that correct? Yeah. Did you have to get, like, permission from your uh, yeah, parents? Yeah, uh, my folks had already signed the papers, and when I turned 17, uh, I went to Chicago, raised my right hand, and I was gone. Never to return. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. So, is there uh, is there anything that uh, is there anything that you think that uh, people should know that they probably don't know about? Uh, I mean, the the history that you've lived. Well, to quote a great president, "War is hell." FRD said that. Yeah. FDR. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say something. Yeah, war is hell. There's three words that pack a lot of punch. Yeah. Uh, God dang it. So my attitude is, fellas like you and other veterans that served, they did that so I didn't have to. 
Uh, I've never served, but uh, I've tried to just help out in little ways, you know, for, uh, for you guys got, that have you served. You guys are doing a good job. Well, it's, I Technically, I was in the uh, delayed entry program uh, when I was 19. Um, I, I was in the delayed entry program out in North Carolina um, and because I went out there to finish high school, uh, living with my uncle. And I ended up, uh, you know, not finishing out there as well because I missed my girlfriend back home and ended up coming back home, which voided the, the, the depth. First, so first mistake. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. That's, uh, you know, it, I, I've had plenty of mistakes. I, is know. she still your girlfriend? No. Okay. No, yeah. absolutely not. That, 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 that lasted a couple more months, you know. That was, that was uh, it. My, my contention is that uh, every boy or girl should spend two years in the service. Yeah. And then turn them loose. You get more common sense and more education in how the world works uh, than before. Like over Israel and those countries over there, they, they have to serve two years automatic. And they come out better people. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, I got. I only went to ninth grade because then I went service, and uh, I learned more being in the service, more common sense, and ingenuity than average individual knows. I think. It seems to have served you well for for a number of years. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty smart in some things. Some I'm just like the rest dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so were there were there any times that uh you know the any any scary moments uh that that stick out um I mean obviously being in Normandy that's uh got to be pretty frightening. It pretty exciting I say that. Yeah. For a 17 year old. But anything else that that kind of sticks out as a uh Holy crap moment, I guess. Yeah. How long were you in the European theater? Oh. I mean, from D-Day, you, you were probably there, what, maybe six, three or six months before D-Day? Yeah, yeah, at least, oh, maybe, oh, maybe almost a year. Uh, uh, what was the question? Yeah, so after <laughs> after D-Day, how long were you in the European theater? I know you were... Oh, um... It wasn't too long after that that we came back. We we came back in the USS Wakefield. I'll never forget that. We went over, when we went over, they shipped us overseas. Uh, we went on the Aquitania. as a four-stacker English. And uh, they, all we got was mutton. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> they sure as hell didn't know how to cook it. That's your introduction to uh, uh, English cuisine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I lost a lot of weight going over there. It took us nine days. Did you go straight across the Atlantic, or did you? Yep. Wow. So you, well, you must have been we, in a convoy. We we zigzag. No, I don't think we had any escorts. We might have, but I didn't see them. We was below decks. We never went up on top. They had uh, two big cannons on the stern, and they practiced and they'd fire. When they fired, they fired them two cannons at the same time, and it pushed that the 
propulsion of thrust would push that ship forward. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Big son of a gun. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. So I had another friend, uh, uh, Robert Joseph Manetti. He was in World War II. He's, he's passed away since, but he was on the Queen Elizabeth, and he says they had to go all the way down almost to South America and then come back up the coast of Africa to avoid yeah. uh, avoid the... Uh, I think he went in... Um, I think it was there a little earlier than... Yeah, we did. We did have a convoy. There was a convoy, freighters and whatever, because I remember now the submarines got up and off to the horizon, a big explosion and the fire, you see, they, they got one or two of the freighters in that. Yeah, there was a convoy, big one. Yeah, those uh, U-boats did a lot of damage in those years. Yeah. So is there, uh, is there anyone still around that you served with that you still talk to or anything? Not that I know. No? There are a couple guys, Ed, uh, I don't know, he's got a something screw name from St. John VFW. He served on the Ariskany later. And oh. then uh, I, was, I was a planky. They call you a planky when you put in commission. You got your name on one of the planks on the deck. And then there's another guy. He sent me a letter sometimes, but we never got together. He lives, lives in the area. He was on it, too. Well, I and know. all the guys I know, uh, there's Jack Bradford. He lived in Chicago. Uh, I talked to him, oh, 50 years ago. I doubt if he's still living. There's one guy, uh, I forget his name now, but he was in Dallas, Texas. He worked for a telephone company. Well, my wife worked for a telephone company, too. I talked to him a couple times, and he, I don't know, I have no idea where he's at, if. That's, I know the, the Times just did a story with uh, a man in Highland, uh, if I remember right, his name is Ben Holcomb, but he was he, yeah he was in the paper yesterday. Yeah, yeah. That's I I just uh, found that out. My I actually ran into my neighbor at the coffee shop and told him where I was going and what I was doing. He's like, oh yeah, the Times just ran a. So I had to look yeah. up that article before I came over here. Yeah. So, but yeah, he looked pretty young for being ninety. He's older than I am. I he looked he looked pretty good shape. That's uh, I want to say he was ninety four as well. I think he was older. I have another friend. I think he's ninety nine. George Griner. He's he's a World War II veteran yeah, as well. Yeah. George Griner. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know him. That's of course it's I not going to come up now. I know the guy. There's a number of Griners around. I knew him long, long time ago in Crown Point. I grew up with his uh, two twin sons there. They're of my vintage, and that's, that's basically how I got to know George. Uh-huh. He's, he's from Highland, as am I. So, uh, in, the, in the experiences that you've had, technology's changed quite a bit. Um, how have... Uh, be, being... Uh, what kind of effect has it had on you to, to watch everything change the way that it has, like technology and... Well, well, what we used to do with our hands, now they do it with robots. Yeah. 
and the factories and that, the car factories and that's all robot, robotics. So do yeah, they're ingenious. We got we got some good engineers in this country. So do you uh, do you mess around with anything like uh, like tablets and smartphones and all that, or no. do you just uh, the the simple? No. I, I think you've got a mobile phone, but it's it's not a like a smartphone. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a. She, my daughter bought it for me for last last Christmas. All I could do was open it up, and that's all I knew. <laughs> and my, and my grandson, my grandson, he fixed it all up and put the names and numbers on who I had to call. Well, I I told him I wanted what I wanted to know how, what what I going to buy. Well, they hemmed and hauled, and then I said, "What you find out that I no, I have I'm looking there." Well, then I knew right there I was going to get one for Christmas. <laughs> so, so I did. So my grandson, Mason, he, he uh, set it up for me, and, and I can dial out. That's all I want. If I fall down and I can't get up, uh, I can call. Yeah. <laughs> if I got it with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, your daughter lives next door, too. I got to think she probably yeah. looks yeah. in on you from time to oh, time. Yeah. yeah. And tell her thank you for the sandwiches yesterday, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's a good gal. I got another one lives in uh, Crown Point. Lives off of uh, oh goddamn it! What the hell street is it? Summit Summit Street, where the old Willowdale Orchard used to be. I don't know if you know where that, but it's uh, up atop the uh, the hill of Jennings, right by the school there on Summit Street. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So you have just the two daughters? Yeah. Okay. Two daughters, one granddaughter. One grandson and two great great granddaughters. Which were the one, the newest one was just born in July. Congratulations. I haven't, yeah, thank you. I haven't seen her yet. She, they're going to be up next week, I think. We live in Lafayette. He, uh, Wade, her husband, uh, Shannon's husband, works for uh, Subaru there in Lafayette. Got a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. My grandson, well, he worked for Hinkley Water and other odd jobs, and then now he's got with uh, uh, Amazon. And uh, well, I talked to his father here the other day, and uh, I, he's out in Colorado doing something. They, they, they trust him. They, they move him around. One time I was getting, I said, hey, Mason, you got a new car? He said, no, it's a rental or a company car. He said, I got to go to Michigan. He went to Michigan to do something, set up something. So I told him when he started, I said, you stay with Amazon, you'll go someplace. And so far he is. Gee, he, I'm, he don't, he don't, he ain't running the country, uh, company yet, but he. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how old is he? Uh, let's see, Shannon was born in 90, and he was born in 91, so he's 20, what, 24? Gee, you, before Amazon, he didn't happen to work for Whole Foods, did he? He did work, yeah, he was working uh, for uh, grocery, uh, stocking and whatever. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm curious, I worked with a kid named Mason at Whole Foods, and... Now I'm kind of curious if uh, if it's the same guy or not. How do they spell his name? Uh, M A S O N. His is M A S E N. Okay. Mason. Okay. 
Yeah. You were, I my memory's for shit, so I could be uh, wrong. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if he worked for Strax or who. He worked for some groceries. I know that. But I think, I think it was in Crown Point. Oh, okay. No, that's probably not him. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I worked with him at the Whole Foods Distribution Center in Munster. Oh, no. No, so. he wasn't up there. Okay. Not the same guy. That would have been crazy. <laughs> oh. so. so I'd like to say a quick word about our backdrop here. The uh, picture you see is an original uh, artwork by uh, uh, Mark Paul John. He's also responsible for the uh, mural out front, and we're using these images on, on our disc golf fundraisers. Uh, the image behind me is called uh, Armor of Light, just so you guys know what you're looking at. Yeah, that's uh, plus he's doing uh, the disc golf discs, the, the custom discs. Yeah, he's got a series of uh, 12 images under the soldier silhouette theme, and uh, we've got three of them uh, done, and we're, we're working on the, the, the other nine of them. So there's going to be a whole series of uh, discs with the soldier silhouette uh, artwork on it, which is, you know, he's been very generous um, letting us use the artwork. So yeah. Thanks thanks to Mark, and uh, he should be here later today. Actually, I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, so any any disc golfers, uh, if you're looking into that, uh, just look up uh, Bart with uh, Disc Golf Fly Mart. Dot com. Let's do the shameless plug. Yeah, yeah hey. com. They're available for $30 <laughs> a piece plus $5 shipping and handling. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I guess uh, with, with that, like uh, speaking of disc golf, you've uh, you've been playing for quite some time and, uh, you know, you got the you got the store and everything and you're you're a big proponent of uh, growing the sport. So uh, how long how long have you been playing? I got my first uh, tournament trophy in 89 I started playing 86 ish 87 started competing and uh, you know I was at a point where I was probably doing 20 to 30 tournaments a year for for quite a number of years yeah um, back in those days 1990 there were 300 courses in the world and now there's like eight nine thousand I I'm not even sure what the number yeah. is it's growing so fast including the the new one we put on the on the property here um, but it's been real interesting to watch the course courses grow, the the amount of courses grow, and the, the sport itself grow. We used to have trouble. It was it was always exciting for us to find a new course because they were so few and far oh, in between, yeah. and it would involve a road trip. Yeah. Um, and now they're just they're popping up everywhere, and it's it, it's awesome. So it's it, it's it's been an interesting ride. Yeah. So uh, what about uh, leisurely activities, Butch? Uh, any any sports or anything that you get into or got into? Uh, I've been Sergeant Arms here for 20 years. And uh, coincidentally, I'm currently the Sergeant at, uh, at Arms for the uh, Sons of the American Legion, my first official position oh, yeah? here. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's just, you know, we had this pandemic vote, so it was kind of disjointed. But yeah. I, I don't think I've been installed yet, Yeah. but I've been performing the duties at meetings. So. Uh-huh. Oh, good. So, well, is there anything else that uh, you want to get out there? No, I can't think of nothing. Any, we any, covered it. Any advice for the for the uh, younger generation here? Yeah, keep your powder dry. <laughs> keep your powder dry. I love it. Yeah. If you had to say one thing to younger folks, other than keep your powder dry, just one word of advice on on 
I, I like the mandatory two years in the uh, in the services. I, I think that would turn out a better yeah. crop of Americans. Do you have any other advice yeah. that might help? Yeah. Well, like I told my girls, pay attention. Put your seatbelt on, turn the radio down, and pay attention. Keep the phone out of your hand. Well, yeah, now phone. <laughs> so keep your powder dry and pay attention. Yeah. Words of wisdom from my friend Butch Echterling. Yeah. So, uh, you got any more, any more questions you want to bring up or no? No, I'm. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure I'll come up with some more later, but uh, I'll be over at Butch's house next week and. I'll ask him then if I come up yeah. with him, and maybe we can do a part two if that. Hey, I'm I'm always down. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but all right, yeah, I think that'll do it. So I don't want to I don't want to take okay. up too much yeah. of Butch's day. Yeah, I gotta go to work. I gotta do my machines. Your, but, your Butch, machines. Butch takes care of the the pull tab machines here, and make sure yeah. that they're all. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that ever since we had them. Nice. Well, all right. Thank you very much for sitting down and and talking yeah, with me for a while. Thank you. So. Absolutely. Enjoy the cigar. Well, Brian, thanks. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, setting everything up and, you know, making it happen. So My pleasure, man. All right. There you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. Uh, again, it was an honor to sit down with Butch, and I have to uh, say thank you very much to Bart uh, for making it happen. So, uh, like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh Check out discgolfflymart.com and theherfcast.com. Um, and, yeah, until next time, thanks for listening.